know. Uh, and as always, uh, Kitch's sidekick. No, actually, that's not a good one. We shouldn't call you sidekicks. No kid. Um, Kitch is your sidekick, probably more. more uh, but Aaron, we need a we need a good uh, intro for you. Like Aaron, I need something. I might work on that. They, but Aaron Rose is uh, also joining uh, for this this segment of the pod, which is the whole segment of the pod. Hello. <laughs> um, all right. Well, listen, we uh, took the all-star break uh, off last week, mostly because uh, I was in the hell that is known as Disney World, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but lots lots going on, as Aaron and I were discussing in the uh, pre-production here, lots going on in Raptor land. Uh, no, nothing to do with Scotty's performance in the all-star break, which will or the all-star game, which we'll talk about the all-star game in a second, too. Uh, but all kind of do with the lead up to uh, all-star break. Uh, and then what's to come these last sort of 25 uh, games. So my question, my opening question to both of you, uh, Kitch, and I'll, I'll start with you is what do you make of the Raptors um, at the, you know, up to this point of the all-star break? And I'm going to get a little more context. Like, let's just talk overall management, overall coaching, overall players. What, what do you, what do you make with 25 games left in the season? I honestly, I honestly could care less if we win or lose another game this season. I honestly <laughs> could care less of that. I think the number one focus for this team should be how do we keep these players engaged and part of the plan for the future. I think we are now the Philadelphia 76ers of the past, oh, and we have to have a process. We have to have a process in place, and we have to get the players to buy into this process. Not keep the players in the dark. Sit down with with the guys you want to have around, tell them your plan, tell them what you're looking to do, get them engaged in that a little bit. And uh, I think that is my biggest uh, focus for a little bit is the fact, let's not keep these players in the dark, which Messiah has a history of doing, and then players don't know whether they're staying or they're going. So let's not keep them in the dark. Let's tell them what the plan is, tell them what we're looking for going forward, and get these guys to buy in. And uh, win or lose, trust the process. Oh, so that's okay. I was going to follow up with, do we trust the process? So you are saying trust the process. Well, okay. I, I Right now I'd say I'd have a hard time trusting it, but I'm, I agree with oh, you. We do too. need a process. Uh, Aaron, um, go ahead. Wow. What a negative tone to start the podcast on. What happened to two uh, roses, one thorn? I'd say what? that. What was negative? It's been... what, was ne what was negative about that? He was just saying, yeah. blow it up. Don't win another game. Get, engage the guys that you want engaged. Make them part of the process. That's just, listen, that is management 101. So, so the whole idea of not winning another game is maybe an interesting topic in and of itself as it <laughs> pertains to the first round pick that is top six protected. Um, but, but big picture, I think there's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be excited about. And I don't necessarily think this is like the Raptors are where the 76ers were when they were in the trust the process mode because they spent years drafting players and trading them away and trying to draft more players until they found a guy. And obviously we know that that guy, Joel Embiid, uh, has, is, you know, the MVP of the league. Uh, but they went through a lot of guys, including Ben Simmons, who, who was not the guy. And I think there's reasons to be optimistic that the Raptors aren't starting from scratch with a bunch of draft picks. They're not the Washington Wizards. What they are is a team that has a lot of work to do. But they do have a guy in Scotty Barnes who's an all-star this year. He's the second youngest in terms of draft class because Anthony Edwards was drafted 
before him, but is younger. But the second youngest player in terms of experience in the league in the All-Star game this year. So I'm not going to tell you that this organization is perfect and has done everything perfectly and is moving forward with you know a perfect plan for the future. Uh, but it is not all uh, clouds and rain these days. I think you can look and say they got a really talented young player and some pieces around him that will have to develop and grow and change over the next few years. Uh, but Scotty Barnes has been phenomenal this year. And, and that is a piece that you can build for for the future. Yeah, listen, I don't think there's any argument that Scotty's the piece in the future uh, and we need to build around him. I think the question to Kitch's point, like, I don't think winning any more games this year is going to help Scotty Barnes uh, in the future. So at this stage, we might as well. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I, There's no rationale to continue to try and uh, you know, put our best effort out there uh, night in and night out because that ship's clearly sailed where there's, where there's any chance. Uh, and when I say best effort, because I saw your face there, and you're right, I should I should provide some. some <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't know if we need to play Scotty. I, you you want to go on minutes restrictions? You want to go on hey strict rotations? You know, it doesn't matter what the, what the outcome of the game is. Like I I would promote that. I, I think there's I, I think you can still be you can still have guys compete, uh, and when they're on the court, certainly they have to try hard. Um, but I don't know if there's any uh, any real rationale to to you know play Scotty or play anybody. Uh, deep into a game, exceed minutes, you know, to try and get that one extra win. Like I, I don't know that that's uh, of any value. I'm not. I'm not talking about pure tanking. Um, but like, yeah, it, we are where we are. Uh, the the lottery seems like the better option right now. Uh, because I'm not convinced that this team uh won't necessarily be in the lottery again next year. Like I, I hear what you're saying that we're not. Uh, it, we're not the depths of despair of what uh, Philly was. 10 years ago or where some of these teams even are now, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, it's still, there's, there's no quick turnaround here. I mean, barring some miraculous change in free agent uh, uh, desire, uh, there is no immediate turnaround uh, happening. This, like, this is not going to be a playoff team next year um, based on what we know today, unless there's dramatic. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. I don't think it's, I don't think it's doom and gloom, but I think it's a process. Like I think we are going to be at least two years um, before we can sort of have a really idea of uh, a really good idea of what we have and have we built anything and has the process worked? Um, so that's I think that's where Kitch, I think you and I might be aligned. Yeah, there. And, and like you say, Aaron, we I, we I agree hundred percent. Scotty's the future, but we have to engage him. Like we don't we we can't lose him. And 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 my fear is, um, he gets frustrated because he's not communicated with or he's not part of the process are not told what the process is. And in this day and age, what do guys say? I want to leave. I want to go. So, so be, we got to be careful. We don't push ourselves into that type of situation. Listen, this team needs to be competitive in the next four years. And if things go right, and, you know, as Dave mentioned, it could be this year and next year and maybe even the year after that where things are pretty rough. But Scotty has a year left on his rookie contract next year, and I'm sure he's going to sign an extension, a max rookie extension, 25% of the max this summer, which will probably be four plus a player option or five years. So the idea that Scotty Barnes is going to ask for a trade in two years is just it's not going to happen. So do they need to be competitive before the end of that? sort of six years from now, 100%, and probably before that. But I think well, if, if, if things go according to plan, they should be you know, 
on the upswing in three or four years and hopefully have a pretty good team around Scotty Barnes. So well, I think that's sort of the timeline they're looking for. Hang on a second. What 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 information do you have that uh, players are no longer going to be able to ask for trades prior to the end of their contract? Is that is there new? Is there has there been something in the collective bargaining that I'm not aware of? With with very few exceptions, do you see players as young as Scotty Barnes? Uh, I, I'm not sure I could name a single one who has demanded a trade. You know, in the first year or two of their rookie max extension, I do, can you think of a single one? Well, Anthony Davis would be as would be close to that, right? Like he was. Right, but he uh, things are going great there. No, but when he was in New Orleans. Anthony oh, Davis. sorry, Anthony right. Davis, not Anthony yeah. Edwards. Not Anthony um, Edwards. No, Anthony Davis would be uh, like he was pretty. He had just signed a contract. He had three years left on his contract before. Now, granted, it was his second contract, right? So he's he's been in the league six, seven years. So I get that, but right. it's not it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that Scotty could say in two years this this is not what I'm signed up for. We're still shit, right? We're still shit. I would the, say it's outside the realm of possibility. Oh well, then I would say we live in different planets. Apparently, <laughs> because I think I think that today, after seeing what goes on in the All Star Game and the way the players talk about things, I think these players think they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. The moment he signs, I mean, listen, the moment he signs that extension, the clock's ticking, and I don't think I don't think it's a guarantee that we'd have five years to keep him uh, to say, "Hey, listen, Scotty, we have five years." I mean, it's probably two before you get disgruntled, Scotty. But let's just talk about Scotty for a second now that we brought him up. I mean, Kitch, to your point of bringing him in the loop and making him feel part of this, I think that's a huge, I do think that's a huge piece because that's the way the NBA is these days. But there also has to be some accountability for him. And, and we should probably just talk quickly about what happened at the end of the San Antonio game when he walked off the court and after a horrific uh, performance by the entire team and one of Scotty's worst games of the year. Um, like, he is a, he still has a ton of growing up to do, which no one's, I mean, he's 20 years old or 21 years old, whatever he is. Uh, he, he's young. I get it. But unfortunately, and when you get paid this kind of money, like your demands of sort of maturity, uh, the timeline moves up a little bit. And if he wants to be the leader of this team, like there has to be like, it ha this has to go hand in hand. You bring him in, but he also has to accept the fact that some of the things that he's been doing this year are kind of unacceptable. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I agree. I agree. Going in like storm, you can't storm off the court. You can't. He does stuff like uh, the, the one game I was at, and and he was when when we did that uh, worship the land or whatever. What did we do the, at the beginning the land, of every game? The land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah, land acknowledgement. He was shooting through that, and and the other players were like looking at him, and they were grabbing the ball. And he kept taking from him, and kept shooting, and you just little things like that. He's got to grow up a bit with stuff like that for sure. Yeah, so Aaron, like, what's your take on Sky as far as that incident from the San Antonio game? He's been a couple other things here and there, but he, you know, he can look disgruntled. He can look sort of mopey. Um, like, but to my point, like, he, if we're going to build around this dude, and you think we're going to keep him for four or five, six years, like, he has to buy in, right? He yeah. has to. And and I think there's a couple of things there. I think uh, maybe the walking off the court was a little bit overblown. Uh, I know that you guys are not huge fans of LeBron James, but LeBron has done it, you know, a handful of times, even in playoff games. And I think the bigger issue is, is you know, I don't like body language talk, but there have been a few times where Scotty is throws his hands up and isn't getting back on defense. Right? It's more, it's more than just you know body language. It's that you know you're letting your frustration impact the fact that you're not getting back 
in transition defense. And that was something that was was alarming uh, in that Spurs game and a few other times throughout the season. Now, would we be talking about these things if Scotty was averaging, you know, 25 points, eight rebounds and six assists the way or, or whatever Luka Doncic, right? Like he does these same sort of things and he's called out for them, but people don't really care because he's like, you know, first or second in the league in scoring right now. And, and he's winning, you know, and, and they're winning. Right. So, so <laughs> if the Raptors had a better team around Scotty Barnes right now, and if Scotty Barnes was, you know, thriving a little bit more, some of his own responsibilities, I think we wouldn't be talking about this thing. So some of it is just frustration. One sec. Some of it is just frustration with where the Raptors are out and how Scotty's playing as the number one guy. But I also think you're right when you say that the Raptors need to like teach him leadership skills. And I think what was interesting was that that game against the Spurs, he was called out. Uh, he did not have a great media availability the next day. It was a, pretty alarming. But the game after that against the Pacers uh, on Valentine's Day, where, where Siakam was back in town, Scotty was as loud and as engaged as we've seen. So we all talked about how that Spurs game was a learning experience. And I made a comment that, you know, you can, everything can be a learning experience, but unless you learn from it, it's not really a learning experience. And what was important and was impressive was how he appeared, at least in the one game sample size, to learn from that mistake. So moving forward, we will see. And if he has that leadership and if he's yelling on defense and telling players where to communicate and where to rotate, That'll be huge progress for a 22-year-old who's still getting acclimated to being the number one guy, where frankly, he wasn't the number one guy in high school. He played with Kate Cunningham, and he wasn't the number one guy in college. So it's been a long time since Scotty Barnes has sort of been in this role, and, and I think he's still growing into it, and, and hopefully the Raptors will see that uh, over the final 27 games of the year. Yeah, and I think that's very fair, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that go into all of this, and you know, we can't take these uh, these moments purely in isolation or in a vacuum and then, and, and pass final judgment. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but it, it is, like you said, it, it is, it, it's, um, beholden on the organization to make sure they are guiding him through this process. Right. And I, you know, you just, you hope, uh, without a sort of senior guy around him anymore, right. There's nobody. And if you, um, like it, it's a lot to ask a guy to learn leadership, from a bunch of other guys his own age, right, on the court and that sort of thing. So that's that's a tough one. Uh, and in some cases, obviously, he's going to be younger than those guys. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out with him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, listen, I love Scotty. I think he's been a good ambassador to, for Toronto since he's been here. He said all the right things about Toronto. Uh, he seems to be engaged in the community. Um, so... I would be, yeah, I listen, I'm very, very hopeful that he is, that my um, sort of darkness around him asking for asking out in a couple of years does never comes to fruition because if he goes, oh my gosh, then it is, then we are Philadelphia all over again. So all right, we can, we can move on from Scott. I think we, I think we've covered uh, sort of where he's at, but I do have a question uh, and more really yeah, a comment. So, right, before you jump in. So the, the, the and the, like I, when I said buying the process, it's not just Scotty. Like it's it's quickly, it's Barrett. Like they've got to understand their roles too. Many nights they demand the ball, sure, when maybe it should be Scotty's ball. Like so, what are the roles of quickly? What are the roles of Barrett? Because they're and are they our future? Are those guys the guys we're building for the future? If we are, we're going to make sure they know their role in that future. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point, and 
I, but I think that becomes part of Scotty's leadership process, right? Like he, he's going to have to have maybe some tough conversations with those guys or, or certainly be part of the conversation yeah. uh, around role and expectations. Because yeah, right now, I mean, if you were to ask, I think RJ or quickly who's taking the last shot or who's going to run the offense in the last three minutes or who's the ball going to flow through in a, cl- in a close game, they're not saying Scotty. I can guarantee that based on their play, they're not saying Scotty. So I, so hundred percent agree with you, but this leads to my, to my next sort of question are one of the uh, most polarizing clips we have out there on TikTok is when I uh, suggested that Darko was not a great coach and uh, wouldn't be around uh, in, in uh, a year from now. It's amazing that that's still like, even today we still get a number of people who find that and then comment on it. Um, but it does lead me to the question of, okay, knowing what we've got now, knowing 60 some or 55 some odd games of Darko, uh, maybe it's still too soon, but are either of you convinced Darko's the guy to 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 lead this group uh, into its whatever its next existence is going to be? Because if they lose for the next couple of years, he's gone. Uh, so the only way he's sticking around is if they is if they start to show progress or win at some stage, right? So, um, are either of you convinced that Darko's the guy? I would say I'm convinced he's the guy, but I'm also not convinced he's not the guy. And we can get into the reasons there, but I'm certainly like, he hasn't shown anything that I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a a coaching savant and they need to lock him up to a 13 year contract or whatever. And and he's going to be with these guys for the future. There are certainly some red flags, I would say, but nothing that I'm like, he's going to be gone in this off season, or he's going to be gone before the, before the all-star game or trade deadline next year at this point. No. Catch. Um, I've always been a proponent of the best coaches are not your buddies. They're the guys you're actually a, a little bit afraid old of. School. Old school. It is old school. So <laughs> I find the coach, I, I, I find a coach gets more of his players when the players are a little bit afraid of him. And I think Darko's too much of a buddy, buddy guy and doesn't inflict any fear in his players to, to perform better. So that's my only knock against him. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm kind of that way. I think you can be, I think you can have relationships with your players that are meaningful, uh, but there definitely has to be a clear sort of boundary or line between that player coach. Like I think that, I think that's been the case in any successful coach, uh, certainly in our generation, Kitch. Um, (laughs) So I, I, I would, I would agree with that. That doesn't appear to be who Darko is. But the other thing is that players eventually, as much as they might love them and the raw, raw stuff, but they have to trust you. They have to trust you that your system and that your rotations and that your uh, ability to draw plays in tight games, they have to trust all of that stuff. Uh, and I think, I, I mean, I have no idea uh, what each player would say, but I'm guessing if you, if you took a bl- uh, blind poll at the players, they'd probably tell you the jury's still out on a lot of those things as it comes to Darko. They'd probably all say they love them. Uh, but I'm not sure they'd all, you know, bought into the system uh, that he's shown to the stage. So, like that concerns me for him. Is that at some stage, if, if like, and I and I've harped on it all year, if his in-game stuff doesn't get better, his ability to call timeouts, his rotations being, you know, being married to rotations, uh, if those things don't change, I mean, guys will just lose confidence, and that'll just that'll be the end of them. So, like, I, I'd say the jury's still. I, I'm sure I was way too hard on him during that when I had that first clip come out. Um, so no question, I probably recant, like I said earlier, that he's not going to be gone by next, uh, all-star break, but I do think that I do think the window is not, it's not wide open for him, right? That window is, is, 
is closing should you know there not be significant signs of a turnaround here within you know a reasonable time frame. I don't think he has to be have a winning record next year. I don't think I don't think anyone has those expectations, but there has to be some sort of clear uh indication that he's evolving as a as a coach would be my advice. So uh all right. So yeah, Aaron, I was just gonna any other thing anything else on Darko that you would like to Yeah, so I think there are a couple different ways to evaluate a coach. And the obvious one and the one that I think Nick Nurse was great at was are you getting the most out of the roster you have? And there have been a few times, especially lately, where I look at the Raptors who are not loaded with talent, but that game against the Spurs, like if you were to draft the players in that game, Victor Wembanyama is, is the number one pick. But after that, the Raptors probably have, you know, three or four of the next five picks. Or you think about that, that uh, game where they almost lost to the Charlotte Hornets. And you're like, well, you almost lost to a team. And, and I know I'm saying almost, but there was a point where I think they were down 20. And if you were to rank the players in that game, the Raptors have, you know, most of the best players in that game. So is Darko getting the most out of the talent? And I think there are some questions there. And that might have to do with X's and O's and schemes. And, I, and I'm not going to dive into those things just because I don't feel qualified entirely to, to break down the X's and O's. And is he drawing up the right plays? And is he a, a baseline out of bounds savant or whatever? So I think that mark, um, I have some questions about. But I also think you can look at the style of this team. And last year, I have some numbers. They were 10th in the league in isolation possessions uh, per game. And they were uh, 23rd in the league in assists per 100 possessions. And he's changed the way that this offense looks. They're now third in assists per 100 possessions. And they're now 28th in isolation attempt frequency. So another way to evaluate the coach is he came in with a set of ideals and has he successfully changed the team to fit his scheme? Now, maybe the scheme should be more aligned with the roster, but I think he was brought in to sort of build toward the future, put in a, a group of offensive ideals and have the team work with that. And I think we've seen buy-in in that respect. And then you mentioned this idea of should the players fear him or, or should he be buddy-buddy? And the truth is, we can't entirely know. You know, you guys have mentioned this fear that it's a player's league and players are going to demand to be traded. And I think if Nick Nurse was back with this team, there were going to be a few guys who were not going to be happy being back. And now maybe you can say, well, if you don't get along with Nick Nurse, who's one of the best coaches in the NBA, then you don't deserve to be here. But I think if you're afraid of players asking to be out, it's not such a bad thing to have a guy who's who's the head coach that people really like. And I think that was one of the reasons the Raptors hired him. And then you look at development and it's hard to put all of this on the coach. Like Scotty Barnes deserves a lot of the credit for the work he put in in the summer to get better. But development wise, Grady Dick needed to be shut down for two weeks, but has been a lot better lately. And, and he's turned things around. We've seen a jump from Scotty Barnes. I'm not necessarily sure there are a ton of other examples from that, uh, but we will continue to see that this is a guy who prides himself on development and, and buy-in from his players. And to some extent, we've seen those things. So if there are three pillars, uh, you know, is he getting the most out of his players in terms of development and, and buy-in from them liking him? Uh, is his scheme stylistically, are the players executing his vision? I think both of those are check marks. But the big thing, of course, is are you getting the most out of the talent and are you producing in wins? And we haven't entirely seen that. And if that doesn't change, he's not going to be the coach in, in three years or four years from now. But in the other respects, I think you can give him a passing grade. Yeah, so I like your point uh, around the whole, you really are judged uh, a lot by what you get, you know, how your players perform 
are there some underachievers who become overachievers or, or become uh, better players under your system? And, and are they are they working hard? Like you do have to get the most of what your roster is, regardless of your of what that roster is. And you know, I would say he's not getting a passing grade on that at the moment, right? But that might be too early to tell on that, right? And the rosters changed quite a bit since the beginning of the season. So who knows? All right, all right. Listen, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to our homework assignment for the week. Um, I think we talked about uh, highlighting what, if any. What if any uh, current projected lottery teams uh, have a brighter future than the Raptors? So you were going to provide me with the teams that you think uh, that won't make the playoffs this year, not the play-in. So they're because if you're playing, you lose. You don't your your lottery uh, that have a brighter future than the Raptors. So Kitch, why don't you give us your number one team that you think has a brighter future than the Raptors? Number one teams, obvious, the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs. Got the number one juggernaut from the draft. He's he is he is heads and shoulders above the rest. They're only going to build around him. Um, so by far the Spurs. Well, listen, you can't argue that because and I saw the Spurs in action when I was at that uh, debacle. But that aside, I mean we're we're uh, they're not that much better than us currently. But man, seeing him live, seeing the Vic live was incredible. And he is it's it's going to be like. Well, I mean, he might, he literally might be unstoppable three years from now. I, I don't know. I mean, when, when your first possession is you block uh, the opposing center twice and then come down that next possession, knock down a three from about two feet behind the three point line. Uh, yeah. You're going to be pretty good in this league for a, a very long time. Uh, and yeah, it's incredible. He was, he was incredible. He was worth the price of admission. He was worth a 30 point loss just to watch that. So, Oh, I thought, uh, okay. I thought you were talking about Pirtle. It wasn't Pirtle who made that. It was the other guy. <laughs> I was like, okay. Put the push shot Pirtle. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, Pearl doesn't even buy, he doesn't even know where the three point line is because he doesn't <laughs> have to. He never has to worry about it. He trips on it. Uh, Aaron, all right. So Kitch has taken the Spurs. Who would you I like? I feel like this is this is a little bit cheating, but uh, that's okay. The Memphis Grizzlies, uh, their team has been decimated by injuries this year, Fine. so they that's are legit. a lottery team this year. Uh, but but John Morant and the guy that they're going to get with their pick this year, uh, they're certainly having an extremely bright future and a lot of guys that that, that are exciting in Memphis. Uh, listen, I think that's totally legit. That's not cheating at all. That's that's no. doing your homework. That's doing your homework the right sure. way. Would you say uh, Would you say Memphis has a better future than San Antonio? Uh, I I don't know. You, you could look at it and say like their second and third and fourth and fifth best player are all better than anyone else uh, San Antonio has, but but that Victor Wembanyama guy is uh, pretty special. So I don't know. Uh, a toss up. Maybe I'd take Victor, but no, you see, could go either see, way. It's, it's near term, long term. Near term, Memphis way more upside. Yeah. With it, with yeah. it. Longer yeah. term, San Antonio way more upside. Yeah, I mean, you could you could make an argument that Memphis could be in a Western Conference Finals here at some stage in the next couple of years if things went well with Morant. And you know, so yeah, yeah that's not happening with San Antonio. So I agree with that. Catch uh, you doing well this week. A lot of those salient points. Well done. Um, Kitch, you're, you're number two that, team. What about that? I got Bings. What's that? Show? What's that show <laughs> yeah, with the Bing Bing? Yeah, around the horn. Around, around the, the horn. horn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd make the finals, but of course, with this format, you'd always make the finals. <laughs> uh, Thirteen. Number two. Thirteen. Third team is Houston, Houston Rockets. Oh, yeah. very, very exciting team. Got a young core with some veterans on there that can lead lead them around the around the court. So, uh, yeah, I think I think I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate to be a fan of the Houston Rockets for the next few years. So I love Houston uh, for this. Uh, you know, and when you think about it, Freddie's contract's going to come up. Like they're going to have some cap flexibility as this team starts to get really good potentially too. So it's going to potentially help them. 
because uh, I can't imagine they're going to resign Freddie for that kind of money. But yeah, I think Houston's, oh my God, ton of, ton of upside. And I'd be, I'll, I'm going to say that Houston's a playoff team next year. And I'm going to say this is what happens when you hire the right coach into, into the right team. I'm not saying Adoka would have been the right for the Raptors, but you hired that guy for this group and he had immediate impact. Um, and he probably would have an immediate impact with the Raptors, but not, not necessarily. I don't think we have quite the same talent. So, how, uh, how, all right, about, Aaron. How, about, how about the game we went to with the Houston? Like, he took, oh. he took his Sanguine. gunners and yep. just put them on the bench for the whole, almost the whole second half. So you guys yep. aren't almost, good enough yeah, to wait. Yeah. yeah, he like he just does. I mean, and that's I mean that's what credibility gives you, right? That's what you know. Like you said, fearing this guy's like that's going to yeah. impact those guys. That's going totally. to impact them because totally. they know he's not going anywhere. Yep. yep. Right. No one knows that about Darko. Not to harp on the, but no one knows that about Darko. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, Aaron, your second team. You think? Yeah. There's a- nobody else really on this list right now that I'm looking oh, at shit. and saying. They have a a player really as good as Scotty Scotty Barnes, you know, in the next, you know, five to ten years. Now there Ooh. are two teams late in the lottery, and I don't really know how how we are going to judge those two teams. If we're talking about who can win a championship in the next couple of years, uh, you know, can I take the Golden State Warriors, who both well, have no, but hey, said, Steph about- Curry talent? Wait, but they also have Jonathan Kaminga and Brandon Podjemski and. Moses Moody, I think, has fallen off in terms of his prospect shine, but they have some really intriguing young players. But if I'm looking, you know, 10 years out, I'd probably rather Scotty Barnes and the Raptors young core. But how do you judge yeah, them? I don't think it's 10 years out. I, I think we're talking about like who's got, like when we talk future, no one thinks three years, three years beyond three years, right? Like three years from now, is the teams that we're talking about, are they going to be in a better position than the Raptors or, or you know, or worse? Or are the Raptors going to be in a better position than they are? So that's sort of the context. So if, with that context, you probably still make the argument for Golden State. Maybe probably could. They're yeah, I would like say that that young core they might actually have balanced the the two timelines thing, and you know maybe they can trade one of their guys and, and get something back. Uh, I don't know, but if you're asking me like who's who's got a better chance of winning a championship in three years, I probably would still take uh, the Golden State Warriors over the Raptors. Um, yeah, I think I probably would too. Um. If you could make, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. You could. Um, okay. Catch you have anybody else with a, a bird of future? No, I had, I had San Antonio, Memphis, Houston. Those are my only three. Wow. Aaron, anyone else? If you're going to golden state, you must not have much left. So, so Utah has a really bright future because yeah. they have a ton I'm of surprised. picks. Uh, Markinen looks like a stud, but I'm still not entirely convinced that they have a player as good as Scotty Barnes. Uh, in their group, but maybe they can find one with one of their picks. And they also have a really smart executive who, uh, in, in Danny Ainge, who seems to be running the ship that it's, you generally speaking have to trust. Uh, and then this, uh, this is certainly cheating. So, so uh, you, you can say this one doesn't count whatsoever, but if we're looking at teams with lottery picks, then the Oklahoma city thunder have two lottery picks and are somehow, <laughs> That's not, they're not a lottery team. Just, they're not a lottery team. No, I know. But, but that team ha- somehow is like, you know, the second best team in the Western Conference and has two lottery picks and Sam Presti, man, that team is so stacked for the future. Yeah, it's not, that, that's incredible. That, they're going to write a book. And they just, they, they just, and they just cleaned house. They cleaned house and rode with Shea and it just, like, but you know, that, this, that, that may be us. That may be us in a couple of years. We might ride with Scotty and clean the entire house out. We, um, I, when I, I can't, it was, it was a few pods ago where I did some, a little bit of research and, and you looked at, um, at Oklahoma City's sort of run here, there's not 
there's only a couple seasons where they're not good, right? Non-playoff teams. Like they were in the bubble uh, as a playoff team. Like they, they don't have too many like really sort of horrific for a team that you think, oh, they lost Westbrook and George. And like, like they were always still kind of competitive. They only, there was only one year in there where they were just sort of fell off a cliff. Um, I think where they were 32 wins. I think they were 30 and 50 or 32 and 50 or something like that. So yeah, it, it's, it's a very, very impressive run, but it only becomes like, it's only a real, real story if they ultimately win a title. Like they have to win a title after all this too, right? Like kind of like Philly has to eventually win a title with Embiid to sort of you can justify everything. So in order to, for it to really have work out, they've got to, or at least they at least got to get to a couple finals uh, to make it work. So, but I mean, listen, they're second in the conference right now, so they could be. So listen, I definitely had. Okay, go, go for it. No, go, no, go ahead. There are a few more teams that I think are interesting if you sort of look big picture, like Detroit. Uh, you know, Cade Cunningham is, is supposed to be really good if he can ever be healthy. Jalen Duran's really good. And then they might have the top pick in this year's draft. And, and we don't know what that is. But if you yeah, wanted to look at a, a yeah, sure, but if you wanted to look at like a three assets that are more valuable maybe than the Raptors' three assets, you know, they could be in the conversation. Uh, Charlotte is, is a mess. Uh, but LaMelo Ball, uh, we know, was really talented. And Brandon Miller was was in Toronto, I think, or, or whatever. When they played the Raptors, uh, he looks really, really good and, and better than Scoot Henderson. Uh, Portland has a couple of young guys, Scoot Henderson being one of them, Shaden Sharp being another one, who, who look really good and intriguing. Uh, those are kind of the other teams. And then Atlanta, uh, who I think I'd probably rather be in the Raptors situation. But uh, Trey Young is an all-star. It puts up crazy numbers, even if he's a huge question mark defensively and maybe worse than a question mark. And Jalen Johnson looks like a valuable wing player in Atlanta. So those are a couple other guys. And then, you know, if Wait, we're the man, cutoff saying, line... So what are you saying? Everyone has a better future? It went up to those three or four. Yeah, I know. Four. You just but, named every team in both conferences that aren't in playoffs that have better futures than us. Well, and, and I'm going to throw one more in there. It, oh. you know, <laughs> extending the lottery line by one because this could change anytime. But Orlando has a better future. I would take Orlando's future over Toronto's. And, and yeah, they're, they're the 15th. Into playoffs. Aaron, you're, you're now, you've now just completely bastardized the homework assignment. So well, they could, like, I'll, yeah, I'll they right could now, lose in the play. I'd be tournament. ripping up your paper right now. I'd be ripping yeah. it up saying I, you didn't follow I'd the rules. Enough. Yeah, this they is could totally lose in the play. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, hey, does Boston have a better future too? Maybe Boston does too, I guess. Yeah. What about Denver? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Them Thank too. you. All right. I'll be a little more clear from here on in. Um, all right. Well, listen, moving on from our homework assignment, um, there was the All-Star game this weekend. Aaron, you've already made it clear to me to not watch five seconds of it. I think I watched about, I don't know, seven minutes of it in between bites at my uh, lobby hotel bar uh, that I wasn't supposed to be at because my flight got delayed. Um, <laughs> Again. Yeah, well, we got completely, completely bumped, like, to the next morning, 7 a.m. next morning. Um, and they lost our luggage, so Annie and I had nothing. We had nothing on us. It was great. Um, but I, from what I did watch, disaster. And then everything you've read about it, it's just been, like, everyone has ripped the All-Star game to shreds. My question is, should we just get rid of it? Not the weekend. I like the weekend, and I like the three-point. I just make it a three-point shooting contest. Uh, but should we get rid of the game? Yeah, they've they've done it in football. Like just make it make it a skills competition. Make it a whole bunch of different skills competition. A whole bunch of gimmicky stuff. People find that way more, more entertaining than a, than a, a dumbass game where nobody tries. Like, I I hundred percent agree with with not playing the game. Yeah, it, it, I couldn't. I can't believe I'm saying that because it, when we grew up, catch the old guys here. When we grew up, those 
those games were competitive. Like they were fun to watch. Like the, when Magic and Isaiah were running the teams, yeah. and Jordan was in there. Like teams were trying. Like those games would go to overtime. There was, guys really cared. There was guys a really level cared. of competitiveness to it. There was a level yeah. of competitiveness to it, and that is just this whole LeBron era, um, for the most part, that's gone out the window. Yeah. Tell me yeah. another yeah. story, Grandpa. Tell me about what did, Wilt Chamberlain. What, what did LeBron? What did LeBron say this weekend? He's like, I'm just glad no one got hurt. Because that's been such an issue in the history of the All-Star game, guys getting hurt, right? It's been such a major issue that they have to deal with it. So I pulled, I mean, I pulled up the box. I pulled up the box score today. Just take oh. a look. So Lillard, Lillard shot 23 threes. Said, I'm not going to the All-Star game to watch a guy shoot 23 three-pointers. And, and he's walking around like he's King Todd. I'm like, who cares? You went, you went 11 for 23 from three. And then Towns, and that, and that was, by the way, that was the, la- the next highest guy had 14 three-pointers. So he took nine more three-pointers than anybody else. And then Towns took 36 shot attempts. Like, like Towns doesn't take exciting shot attempts, so he probably had a lot of layups and stuff like that. The he next did. best guy was Lillard at 26. I'm like, come on, guys. Those, wow. that, that's two douchey moves, those two guys. And how about Lillard? Don't steal, don't steal the MVP title from the hometown kid, too. Like, that was even douchier. Right? That was <laughs> Halliburton's to, to absolutely have. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Aaron, should we... What do you what are your thoughts? You want to keep the game? You want to get rid of it? What do you want to do? You got to keep the game because uh, the NBA is not in the business of taking less revenue. That is not something uh, the yeah, league. I is know. Keep the weekend. Into. Keep the weekend. Keep sure, the weekend. But 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 you got to have something on that Sunday night or whatever to uh, to keep ratings going. I think uh, if we could ever get a United States versus the world uh, basketball game, I think that would get the intensity of the players actually trying and would be a ton of fun. Uh, I do think that there has to be a way uh, to try and make it more interesting. And, you know, maybe it's it's paying players. I saw a report from Sam Amick, breaking news, uh, Raptor, sorry, all-star players would like to get paid. Yeah. You know, somebody that's, would like to get paid for their services. They all get, they all get I, paid I, I know that's oh, yeah. big. Uh, that's brutal. That is brutal. But, but but I think whether it's it's paying them more or something else, I think. And then the other thing is like, you kind of know what you're getting. And if you like crazy dunks and you like pull up logo threes and then tune in and watch the all-star game, cause you're going to see Dame Lillard take some crazy logo threes and, and make a ton of them better than almost anyone else in the world. And if you're not into that, then don't watch the game. So, so I don't get too fussed about the all-star game. As you mentioned, I didn't watch it because I'm not interested in that. But if you want to see the best players in the world, see Tyrese Halliburton throw crazy passes and, and see crazy dunks like Vince Carter used to do. Uh, they might not be trying on defense, but they're still going to do those things. And, and that can be a ton of fun if you're interested in those things. Well, again, I would argue that it wasn't even a ton of that. Like that's what I'm going back to, to those other days. Like when there's defense being played, or there's a little bit of effort. The passing is that much more spectacular, right? When you make a tough pass, but when you make it, when no one's guarding you, you do like Halliburton threw a pass off his elbow. It's like, yeah, great, but no one was guarding you. That's like you were you were in your driveway doing that by yourself. I mean, like, so that to me is you really want to ooh and ah. There's got to be some level of competitive nature to it, and people playing a little bit of defense to try and impede you from doing some of those things. But yeah, I, I don't think we're going to win that argument. I think they're 100 percent going to keep that game forever. Uh, but I would be much, I'd be much more likely, I'd be much more inclined to have it just to make a, a weekend of skills for sure. Yeah, but I, but I think Adam Silver is looking for ways to fix it, right? So I think he's unhappy. So this idea that they're just going to keep it and and it's going to be whatever bad or disappointing uh, indefinitely, I don't think is the case. I know they tried the Elam ending. Obviously, they've tried this in season tournament. Like they're tr- the NBA yep. is is yeah. the one league that is willing to like do crazy things and see what happens. And 
I think you can give them credit for that. Uh, and, and I suspect we're going to see another change. I don't know why they got rid of the Elam ending. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, and I thought it maybe made the players play a little bit tougher in the final few minutes or whatever you want to call the end of the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they'll try something. Yeah, I think they, they watched NHL. NHL did it. NHL was five on five. They went to three on three. And and it was it was like they did something to change the game to make it more irritating. And and now people they say they really like actually the NHL All Star game because it's it's different. It's more wide open. Yeah, I mean that's true. I didn't really thought about that. They could they could probably go to four teams, right? Four All Star teams of like yeah. uh, seven players and make it four on four, three on three, whatever. Yeah, three on three actually probably would work. And you t- um, and change change on the fly, like just stuff like that, like gimmicky, like stuff like that that makes it that makes it. Oh, change on the fly. Yeah, sense. sure. There you go. Oh, look at you once again. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Oh, fucking nine look and a half. Bushy tail. Yeah, bushy tailed. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that's it for uh basketball i think we're right into what drives you are crazy we, so are we are we bringing up lebron in this series or are we waiting for this for later uh what, what was our lebron all right so we'll bring up lebron so lebron came out was it was interviewed at the uh all-star game about the end of his career oh oh yeah 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 so lebron came out and said i don't know how many seasons i've left and all that and all that's not many um, I was asked a couple days ago, well, will this be my farewell tour? Will I just, or will you just Tim Duncan it and be like 50, 50 and you're out and, and just kind of d- disappear into the wind. And James responds, there's times when I feel like I owe it to my fans that it'd be long the journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them the moment where it's every city they give you flowers. But on the other side, I've never been that great with accepting praise. It's a weird feeling. Oh my God. When I read that, I went, that guy is a narcissist. He has no idea what, how he's perceived or what, or what people view him. So, you know what, LeBron, he's going to play up every farewell party he can go to every game oh. and, and just love it. Aaron, you're not going to like this, but you you have to you have to agree. There's zero chance he does not do the farewell tour. Yep, there's zero chance of that. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree, and, and I thought those comments were hilarious. And he, as, as you mentioned, he mentioned it was fifty-fifty. He hasn't decided what he's going to do. Uh, LeBron, as I called in, in a video, and I know you guys will get a kick out of this. He's the Michael Jordan of seeking attention. So any opportunity yeah. he gets to to, right. to take the spotlight and and whether it's the decision on national television or whether it's tweeting out uh, emojis just before the draft to get everyone on espn or just before uh, the trade deadline excuse me to get everyone on espn talking about that or whether it's after the sweep against denver saying you know maybe i'm gonna retire this year when no one believes him uh he he's certainly uh, uh likes to be the center of attention so i suspect we can probably guess well, if you could get 50 50 odds on that I, I suspect you guys would probably uh put a hefty wager down on oh, jesus what john I, I, john I turn the tiktok on john turn the tiktok <laughs> on i've never been that great with accepting praise it's a weird feeling come on, <laughs> I, on. I know come on. i know i know like after yeah I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy that he could, he's not held accountable for anything. No one cares. He can say whatever he wants. Uh, But I do, yeah. You know what? The reason why he's the Michael Jordan of attention seeking is because he's chasing the ghost of Michael. That's why. This is exactly why he's doing all this stuff is he wants everyone to believe he's the greatest to ever do it. Like, that's what it is. If he knew he was, right? If he absolutely absolutely knew and thought the world knew that, we wouldn't be dealing with any of this stuff. It's like with Jordan. Like, they ask him. He's like, Jordan's answer is always perfect. Right, it's always perfect because he knows. 
He absolutely knows. Yeah, he right? would never do anything to seek attention, like come out with a you know six part or whatever it was documentary series. Michael Jordan would never want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what we said. And he only okay. waited, I don't know what, twenty five years to put to put it out, right? And because he knew there's a pandemic coming, there'd be no live sports, and that the world was going to need something. Yeah. So thank you, Michael. How about you say save the world? Save the world. Yeah. How about you say thank you to MJ? (laughs) Thank you, MJ. Yeah. Everyone, everyone who covers the NBA should have to be have a tattoo of 23 on them somewhere. (laughs) Should be a new rule. (laughs) Um, All right. Listen. What drives you crazy in AOB? Catch. Do you want to start? That was it. You got it. You want to go first, Aaron? Excited? All right. Go ahead, Aaron. You You got a good one. Well, just, just I guess I'll piggyback off of what you guys just said. This actually doesn't drive me crazy, but it drives you crazy. So my what drives yeah. you crazy That's fine. is the Raptors apparently have been scouting Bronny James. Now, I suspect lots of teams have been scouting oh. Bronny James. Oh. But Shams listed three teams, the Lakers, the Heat, and the Raptors, among other teams who are scouting Bronny James. So uh, you know what would be great for this podcast and great for social media? <laughs> is if the Raptors draft Bronny James and sign LeBron and shut you old folks up and win a championship in Toronto with LeBron James leading the way. Maybe he has to sign for the mid-level exception. I haven't entirely figured out how the Raptors are going to sign him. So that's one idea is LeBron signs in Toronto to join forces with his son, Bronny James, who I probably don't think is going to. One sec. I don't think he's going to enter the draft this year and be drafted. That said, but there is another idea. The Raptors should draft Bronny James and then hold him hostage against the Lakers and say, we want three or four first-round picks, LeBron. If you want your son, we, ha- we are going to take a boatload of future picks because we know general manager LeBron doesn't always make the best decisions. They should yes. make the Lakers trade for him. Well, listen, a couple things on that. If we need to get LeBron in that scenario, I'm sure we'll just trade DeMar for him. Cutthroat missile, just, we'll trade DeMar again. We'll get, that's how we do That's how we get the big names. We just trade DeMar every time. Uh, and two, I just hope the Raptors have been following every draft board there is out there. Because guess who's not on anyone's draft board as far as one of the top 60 players uh, draft eligible this year? Brian James? Brian James. Imagine <laughs> that. You know why? Because he's not very good. Uh, I shouldn't say. I mean, he's good, right? But, like, he's an undersized guard. He's an undersized guard. We picked one of those in the first round a couple of years back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we fit right in. Uh, and spe- yeah, you know what? Let's not get started on late- these worthless late-round draft picks. Uh, yeah, let's, not, let's not go there. All right. Thank you, Aaron. You're right. And that would drive us crazy. That would be, that would definitely probably be the end of, of a lot of things for this pod. Yeah. If LeBron, yeah. LeBron, show, LeBron shows up in a Raptors uniform. Uh, kids, what do you got? Um, so I'm at the gym here the other day and I'm hop on the elliptical. So I'm, I'm, I'm running, I'm running the elliptical. I've been about 15 minutes in this guy, Uh-oh. a little bit older guy. He's about 75, probably Light. maybe 80. Florida. Okay. He's definitely Florida. older. Hops on the elliptical next to me. And, Three minutes in the workout, he starts. He turn. He, he's. he's turn, I don't know what level he's going at, but it, you would think it's level like thirty on a ten machine. And then, and then every, I would say ten, no, eight seconds, he goes, oh, oh, and he breathes like that huh? for his whole workout. Like yeah. he can barely, like he's gasping for breath every time. So I, I look at him. I'm like, oh my god, how, like, and he, the whole gym can hear him. And so finally, after about. 30 minutes I, I and i had a 45 minute session i hopped off i couldn't even take it anymore he's driving crazy and when i hop off he goes oh sorry was i bothering you i go yeah I, I go yes yes you were you cannot come to a public place and breathe like that on a machine like <laughs> it goes through the whole gym he goes, that he goes did you say that he goes, yeah he goes well, what do you mean i go you can't every 10 seconds go oh like that everybody hears it it affects everybody's workout 
He goes, well, I'm sorry about that. And they does it, and they continues to do it for another oh, yeah. half yeah. hour on the machine himself. So yeah. you know what? Learn what's learn what's acceptable. Learn what's acceptable when you go to the chat. Uh, I'm guessing that wasn't the most sincere sorry he's ever uttered. That man. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was that, that sincere sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm not so. sure he was gonna. You know, I'm not sure he was expecting my comment on it either. So, well, I'm sure he wasn't, especially from a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, he won't. He won't like that. You, you probably just get all Canadians kicked out of that place. You'll, you'll be out of there within. Uh, all right. Well, listen. Uh, as I mentioned previously, I, I had the pleasure of taking my daughter to uh, Disney because the last time we were in Disney, Annie was too young to remember it. So she's been bugging us for about seven years to take her to Disney. Uh, and if I had remembered what Disney was like, I would have let her bug me for seventy years because I never would have gone back. Oh, no, I, I love it. I, I know, and I don't know how you do. <laughs> that place is a disaster. It's hell on earth. It's the unhappiest place in the world. And I say that, and that's actually, those are, that's not even uh, hyperbole. I have data points. You can't go five feet in that park without a parent screaming at their child and or a child screaming. You can't. You cannot go five feet. Everybody gets a little tired. You get a little tired of it. And then the worst part about it all is I forgot how shitty the rides are. What? They don't have a ton of great rides. They have two new ones that we went on, which were awesome. Tron and Guardians of the Galaxy. Those were awesome. Oh, we did. We did Avatar. It made everyone sick. Uh, but we did that. It was pretty cool. Cool, um, yeah, right. yeah, it was cool. It, yeah, it totally was. Uh, and then that, um, the Everest one. Yeah, Mount Everest. That's it. The roller coaster one was out of, was out of service, which was awesome. Oh. Yeah, the only one I wanted to do was out of service. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Disney itself, I fucking hated every well, second. So like, you just named, you named, you just named four thrill rides. Like, Disney's about adventure and, and, the character you're just you're just talking about high screaming thrill rides well yeah well, disney's not built for well, that what else, wanna, like, what else you want to do at disney with, with an 11 year old and a 14 year old you want to you want to you want to experience the magical of disney the magical yeah, of magical well, female no we didn't want to <laughs> and we paid through the nose to have a private tour guide also a disaster really yeah total disaster yeah seriously uh, yeah I'll, I'll tell you uh remind me a different uh, a off-air uh, discussion to talk to you about what those guys believe they should be tipped <laughs> <laughs> yeah so disney disney drives me crazy and but, but you know what guess what and i told we told annie and johnny and i'll tell bobby when i see him too we're never going back with you and or your kids we're not going back as grandparents well you know, no uncle kitch will take them uncle perfect kitch perfect <laughs> yeah i can't believe you went there with boomer and his kids just because you wanted to that's unbelievable yeah, like fun. That, yeah that's unbelievable <laughs> uh, all right uh, aaron uh aob before we wrap up here you got anything for us yeah i have two so I'm going to do one of them quickly, and I think give you credit. I believe you mentioned Kelly right. Olynyk as a Kelly potential trade target a couple podcasts ago. So Kelly Olynyk uh, yeah. was not mentioned on this podcast, but uh, by all accounts, seems like a really good guy. I think, obviously, I'd rather he be 22 instead of 32, uh, but but brings kind of floor spacing we've been looking for as a as a sidekick uh to some extent alongside scotty barnes and if you're looking for veteran leadership and a guy who wants to be here long term a canadian guy uh i think i like the addition of kelly olenek i don't think jante porter likes it but yes i i love i i do like it i do like it. i don't i don't hate bringing back half decent canadians because i i think we actually have some players who want to be here so i'm Something, okay with yeah that. totally totally and you know it's all about getting shay i called kelly o and i'm also calling shay Shay will be a raptor. Shay will be a raptor amongst all of his Canadian brethren. And then my other AOB, I saw this today. 
Do you guys know how much the Denver Nuggets mascot makes a year? Oh, Rocky shit. and a mountain lion? Nope. nope. Uh, now, are you talking about just for, like because he goes all over like all over the country to do to do stuff, right? But you're talking about just him doing his Denver stuff. I, I would have According, no idea. But, but let me guess. Go let for me it. Guess. Let's guess. Sure. Let's guess. So it's going to be obviously a super high number. The fact that you're bringing it up because it should be a super low number. But God, does it leak into seven figures? Don't I want to see? Your, I don't want to see your reaction. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say one point one million dollars. <laughs> Okay, it's not that crazy. Okay, well, listen. You, yeah, all right. All right, I'll then my second crazy... 750 is my cost. I'm going to say $5.1 million. Uh, five, $510,000. Kitch? $750. According to the Sports Business Journal, I saw this today, Rocky the Mountain Lion makes $625,000 a year. That's a good gig. Why yeah. are we doing this? <laughs> well, Aaron, I'm telling you, I think... I think that's for his, like, it's not just his 41 games at home. Like Rocky, the, the mountain lion is everywhere. Like they go and do stuff throughout the course of the year, but I don't know. I'd love to know. I would love to know how many days a year he's working for that, but I do think it's more than just the 41 home games. Aaron, I'm a sweater. I, you put me <laughs> in one of those suits for the whole, for the whole game. I, I'd lose, I'd lose. Well, it probably would be, would be horrible. I'd well, probably lose like 50 pounds a game. I'd be, I'd sweater, you're a sweater. You're not flexible. And you're, you're you know, you don't like, little kids so yeah that's yeah not great not great for you uh, all right kitsch uh, any ob uh yeah i just got i got one out there i and i we have a long time listener um oh. there's a long time listener out there who, who really really needs to work on his ping pong game he can knock on cannot knock off uh old man kitsch <laughs> no matter how hard he tries and that is one young johnny bart johnny bart if you listen to the pod for this long, you hung in there, you got a shout out, pick your game up. What one of these days maybe you can knock me off. Yeah, it was it was a sight to behold, the uh the battle that was you and Johnny at uh was it spin? Is that what it's called? Spin? Spin Tron? Uh yeah, spin. Aaron yeah. made a full bowling ping pong, then Raptors game uh event for one of our triathlon. Full triathlon. Oh for, before before the Cleveland shellacking. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything for us AOB wise. Um, so yeah. So there you go. Bart, how did you make out in your in your betting for the Super Bowl? Did you do okay in that this year? <laughs> so Aaron, uh, I am sad to report that at the young age of fifty one, I experienced the greatest sports gambling day of my life. It'll never get any better than that. Never, never, ever, ever. To the point where I won a square for $5,000 at the, at the, because of overtime went to five, two, cause the score was 25, 22. I yeah. go in the same squares pool that I've lost every single time for about seven years, a hundred dollars to get in a uh, hundred dollars per square. And because of that craziness, I won that, that, but I, I couldn't miss. I could you not could, miss. You could not miss. Now, you, I mean, if, I you, if you have the squares of five, two, that's not great <laughs> for football. Five, oh, two. Is I, I know. And I was, I won a 40 to one bet. I won an 18 to one bet. There was a 23 to one bet in there. I, I mean, it didn't matter what I did. Didn't matter what it, I did. It, it, it was really good for player props. Overtime. Overtime. Really oh good my props. God. Save me. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so I did that. Was, yeah. I did have a lovely uh, NFL day. Uh, Super Bowl. A lovely Super Bowl. <laughs> in the cozy confines of Moxie, where it was the six of us and I think four other people <laughs> watching the Super Bowl yeah. in downtown yeah. Toronto. Aaron, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yep. Okay. We'll go with the one word answer. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. All right. Fine. No problem. All right, Kitch. Do us the honors. Kwai. Take it away, Kwai. 
Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win! <laughs> Hang 